What's up, guys? Welcome to episode one of Emergency. Our first guest for the podcast is a great friend of mine, someone who works for one of the largest e-commerce retailers in the world. Um, and you know, in her words, was a piss poor mentor in college, but became a great friend um, and someone who I definitely admire um, and has a lot of intelligence. Miss Tangie. Tangie, how are you doing today? Tell the people what's up. I am doing fantastic. I'm super excited to be here um, and happy to see that you're having this podcast. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm glad to have you on. I'm glad that you're the first guest. Um, I couldn't imagine having this conversation with anyone else. I mean, I think that every time we we talk, we have such interesting conversations, whether it's from like crypto to space, just to everything. And I think that, you know, us going to school together and seeing just the growth from, you know, being (laughs) like kids in college, (laughs) just figuring out our ways to now um, just being great and, and succeeding in all areas of life, you know. I'm glad to have you here with me today, man, just to say the least. So let's go ahead and jump into the first topic, all right? So the first thing I want to touch on is the COVID-19 variant that we have. Um, You know, they said that it's originated from South Africa, and, you know, President Biden, he just released a statement basically saying that, you know, it's a cause of concern, but not a crisis, so we won't be going into a lockdown. Um, And basically, you know, the Moderna CEO came out and said that, Um, The vaccine won't be as effective um, to the new variant in the past. And because of that, we've seen a little bit of volatility within the stock market, um, which is what we can expect. But tell me, tell me what you're thinking about this. How do you feel about COVID? I just kind of want to touch on it a little bit because we, you know, it's kind of a controversial topic, whether or not, you know, you're going to be vaccinated, you know, vaccinations versus immunity. And what I say to each is their own. If you, you know, wear a mask, wash your hands and get vaccinated, it's the surest way to stay safe. Um, But again, it's a personal decision and there's a lot of things that affect those factors. So, so where is your headspace when it comes to that? Absolutely. Well, I definitely think that COVID has had a large impact on our lives, like not only what we do personally, but like within my workspace, um, within the education space, just every industry that you can imagine. So definitely um, a controversial topic, but something that we can't really ignore because it's right in our faces. Um, And I think that the current administration has a lot of different plans that I've actually like recently refreshed myself on. Um, when it comes to their path out of the pandemic. I think that's the name of the article. Um, but I just like want to go touch up on the White House website and see exactly what the administration's plan is. And as you mentioned, um, it is really centered around like mass vaccination, um, enforcing that we're um, keeping our masks up and that they're requiring testing. Um, and trying to stay in school safely. So that's pretty much the synopsis of what they have at the top. But after I read through the entire plan, honestly, it's giving me like false hope and promises, to be honest, um, in my opinion, because as I mentioned, most of it's centered around vaccination and you pretty much hit the needle on the head with saying that um, there's recent statements to say that like the vaccine is not going to be effective with some of the later variants of it. It was actually said that for the Delta variant, and here we are like many variants later um, on Omicron. So I think it's really important um, to talk about the media and how society has kind of framed this new variant. Um, and also the White House did put up a new statement like four days ago 
um, about the new variant and its origin in South Africa. Um, so I saw this tweet and I kind of wanted to like read it um, because pretty much the media has phrased um, this emergence of this variant as it came from South Africa, therefore South Africa is unsafe. And I think that there's a lot of turmoil that comes around looking at African countries in that way. Definitely, um, And, you know, really trying to sway how these types of crises are managed when Africa has been going through several different crises over the last decades um, and have found many different solutions to those crises. So I'm going to go to this tweet um, and I'm going to read what I saw. It was pretty much um, something from a speaker um, who is an expert on the future work of um, Tomorrow Today Global. So he says, once again, the world's media is reporting South Africa has a new COVID variant, as if the variant started here and is infecting us all. Can I say this again more loudly for the idiot journalists at the back? South Africa has one of the most sophisticated and advanced infectious diseases infrastructure on the planet. Let's just start there. We can talk about sickle cell, we can talk about malaria, we can talk about several different viruses and diseases. Some of the world's leading epidemiologists work in South Africa. He says, I'm assuming he is one of them, that they have had to develop these capabilities to deal with TB and AIDS and other diseases that are ravaging their continent. There is no surprise that their medical system is the first in the world to identify new COVID variants. It is also no surprise that they led the world in clinical trials of vaccines. What is a surprise is how the journalists write the headlines. New COVID variant in South Africa? No. This new COVID variant has been found in New Zealand, England, Brazil, France, India, Indonesia, the Philippines, and many other places. <laughs> South African scientists isolated, sequenced, and understood it first. Report that fact. But don't start all over again with putting South Africa is unsafe into people's heads. There it is. In tweets. <laughs> no, there it is. I mean, it's so well said. Thank you. We needed that. That's what we needed, a professional <laughs> opinion, because, you know, it's hard to wrap it up into words how we just as average citizens kind of take in all this media, you know, there's so much to say about it. And I think you hit it right on the head of like, you know, we, we, we see it comes from a certain country and all of a sudden there's like a thousand travel bans and we start locking down and, it, you know, mm -hmm. you hit it on the head too when you said it affects multiple industries. I mean, the state of supply chain due to COVID because it's hard to predict what consumers are buying and the frequency that they're buying and how much has changed because of COVID is just the start of it. But then also when you go into small businesses having to shut down because they mm -hmm. no longer can afford to keep things up and running and to keep their employees, you know, salaries where they're supposed to be without giving pay cuts. And then we have to give out stimulus checks. And there's, it's just, it's just a shock effect that we see within our entire economy due to COVID. And it, and it really starts with as a nation and really as a world, you know, when you think about it on a global scale, because it's, you know, once one person goes into lockdown, everybody else starts considering lockdown. And then all of a sudden we're back into the same state that we were 
in 2020. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I think that was when the first, you know, when COVID first emerged and we had our first lockdown was in 2020, which is the year I graduated college, by the way. Like, imagine <laughs> graduating, I didn't even get to walk the stage. Like, I had oh, a virtual, man. yeah, man, I had a virtual uh, graduation, which is the best that we could do, you know, at the time because we had no idea how to how to handle you know COVID how to handle being in lockdown um and so like you said to look forward it's 2020 a month from now um and we yeah. are being introduced to a new variant how do we go about like really being able to tackle these type of things in, in a steady plan that's like going to account for future variants because it seems at this point you know it, we were able to control a lot of diseases and a lot of all these other things that have emerged but when it comes to COVID we just keep seeing new variants emerge so how do we go about this in a way that is adjusting to the new normal like this is the new normal that we're having to deal with what does that look like um and and what's our plan so i think you're absolutely right the plan is that this is the new normal i don't think that we'll be returning back to the previous sense of normalcy that we had before this pandemic and i think that it's sad but also bittersweet to think about because we do have several viruses um, the flu, we have strep, we have several different um, diseases and just common codes and infections that are running rampant every year. And there's been many different solutions for those. So I think that we have to start looking into alternative solutions besides what's being presented today. We've talked about vaccine effectiveness and we know, I mean, I took an AP biology class as viruses mutate and variants increase, we're going to see less ability to predict and therefore treat those viruses. So we need to make sure that we look into different types of solutions. And this is really hurting, um, like we mentioned, different in different industries, but especially the global supply chain. And I have a few um, fun facts that I want to talk about as far as like the administration's plan to address the economy and then some of our barriers that we're seeing in the global supply chain. So one, um, the Biden administration's plan to address the economy and keep us strong is really centered around small businesses. And we've talked about some of the struggles that small businesses have had, even though we've had the PPP loans and many different programs that were created um, to connect them with the government, local and state resources. But my question is, why does it matter if the small businesses are successful if the consumers don't have any money? I mean, exactly. No, that's a great point to make. And on top of that, you know, we have large manufacturing companies, trillion dollar companies who are struggling during the bouts of COVID. So what does that look like for a small business to be able to survive in this type of economy if we're having some of the largest companies in the world struggle as well? I mean, it's a great question to bring up and a point of concern, because when you talk about the global supply chain in the state that is in, I was in the store yesterday and we was out of spices. I couldn't even pick up no pepper, you know, so it's just like (laughs) Again, hashtag first world problems. But when you really think about it, you know, the fact that we're getting to a state where, you know, everything down from the small businesses to large manufacturing companies are seeing the effects of how COVID is affecting the global supply chain. um, It's a question of concern. You know, it's really thinking about how we move forward in a way that still allows businesses to turn a profit. um, And for lack of better words, not be burning money out the window because they cannot predict demand. Well, it's important to remember that the global supply chain was not necessarily perfect 
um, before the pandemic. And I think a lot of people forget that um, many of our companies, especially large corporations, are based on decades of lean inventory practices to lower their costs overall and create a lower overhead but that doesn't mean that they will have the surplus when a pandemic hits and that's exactly what happened is that supplies were not as available um, as the demand increased and also our supply chains as far as logistics and different regulations that we have were not in place to be successful in that pandemic and a few fun facts is that inflation year over year is up 6.2 percent um, and that was in October. And that's the highest since 1990. Man. And I mean, that's just crazy, like, to think about. Exactly, like, we yeah. know about the great, the great, um, the recession in 2008, but yeah. like, this is higher than 1990. Yeah. <laughs> it's higher than 1990 in here. That's how you know something is wrong. There's something wrong right now. <laughs> that is really sad. And then another thing to think about, like, as all of the, the docking barriers are present, um, there was a shortage of shipping containers in China, and the previous cost to ship from Shanghai to LA used to be $2,000 before the pandemic. Now, after the pandemic in 2021, that same trip would cost $25,000. My goodness. I mean, that's absolutely absurd. And when you think about like how businesses are supposed to work around that, it's almost impossible. You know, like for small businesses, that's impossible. They can't, you know, that to be able to afford that type of shipping, you would have to be a large corporation. And so at that point, I don't know. I, I don't have anything much more to say about that. Um, <laughs> do you have any more fun facts for the people just to keep them aware and in tune about what's actually going on right now um, in the global supply chain, but also just with COVID and everything that's going on within a business aspect and anyone who is kind of looking to open up a business because it's not that, you know, the future of business here is dead. It's just the fact that it's going to look different and how we run it is going to look different. And you mentioned things such as like the PPP loan. I mean, what, what does that look like for people who want to go out and start a business like what what type of business should they start right now what do we need moving into the future for us to be able to make our economy stronger um, going into this new normal absolutely well, I think I'm a little biased but digital commerce passive income money that you can make in your sleep we really do have to start thinking about new forms of making income and also understanding that many of the things that every, each one of us does in a day is centered around being online, being on some type of website, some type of platform. And there's a lot of different brands that you can spin out from creating one product or one platform. So I think honestly, for um, the generation of, of new business leaders and entrepreneurs, they should really be looking into those successful e-commerce models that are out there and looking into investing um as far as like moving into financial success, because the current state of our economy um, isn't really predicting the future other than, you know, the jobs that are eco-friendly and um, that are centered around environmental science. Other than that, like investing, trading, making sure you have some type of digital commerce, um, coaching plans, business coaches, all of the stuff that you see on social media, they are making money. They're absolutely blowing the bank and they're making that money 
in their sleep. Think about ebooks. Think about podcasts. Like we are truly living in the future where you can make money from your home, from your computer, from a tablet. And it really is just about going and accessing the information. And and I don't think that we as the people educate ourselves enough about the different ways to make income that are new instead of traditional. Man, I couldn't agree more. I, I literally couldn't agree more. And I, I think that even in my, from an aspect for me, like I definitely have a lot more to learn about all the new ways of digital transformation and how that is able to really provide these platforms for us to make money. And, you know, like you said, every time I get on Instagram, I'm seeing a new check out this coaching. This is how I made, you know, seven million dollars on YouTube <laughs> and all this other things like it's it's insane. And, and it is truly is shaping the future of the market. And I think something that you hit on that was really important was digital currencies that I mean that is blowing up in a way that we haven't seen ever and it is creating an entire new avenue um, for people around the world to really you know get a new source of income and I think that Bitcoin, you know, what's going on in the cryptocurrency aspect, what's going on with Bitcoin, for those of the for those of you who don't know, um, there's a lawsuit in Florida currently going on between who is Satoshi Nakamoto um, and Basically, that's Craig White versus Dave Kleiman's estate. Um, and they're suing about who originated in mind the first Bitcoin. Um, and a lot of people might be like, well, you know, there's all these other there's Ethereum. There's um, a lot of other cryptocurrencies available, which we're going to talk about in just a second. But I think that why this one is important is because it's going to decide the future of about fifty five billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. I mean, when you think about that, <laughs> the type of fluctuation that that's going to have in the cryptocurrency market is going to be insane. So I think that we need to stay kind of updated with that and see what's going on. But Tangie, I know that you have invested in cryptocurrency a lot earlier before I have. And so I am taking notes as we go. Please tell me, <laughs> what what is what is the future of cryptocurrency? What are some of the new coins? Because we have Dogecoin as well, which Elon Musk has went ahead and spearheaded as the face of and endorsed. Um, but what are some of the other ones that are out there that the people can go ahead and invest in that you're seeing um, rising in the market. And I know that it's kind of unpredictable sometimes. I know you can see one on the rise and it is going to skyrocket like some, you know, Ethereum. They're having a 2.0 platform. I just applied for that, got approved. We're going to be investing in that soon. <laughs> but seriously, but um, what, are, what are some of the other ones that you're seeing um, that are really, you know, up next in the market? Yeah, I think um, cryptocurrencies are really fun and exciting because it really does remind you of what the future can be. And it's important to know for cryptos that there are so many different types of coins out there. Um, And I am by like no means claiming to be a crypto investor expert, um, truly a beginner. But I think that you should do your diligent research for whatever you choose to invest in. You should learn how to read charts. You should understand a little bit about how cryptos move. They're very volatile for any type of cryptocurrency that you invest in. And then if you like some of the coins that I mentioned here in this episode, then once again, go do your own research because the state of the market will change and those cryptocurrencies could grow or decrease. And then your positions as far as entering into the market should change. So please do your research. Um, and know that there's a lot of education out there on YouTube. There's a lot of different organizations and platforms that you can invest in to make sure that you're not putting risk in the market. Um, because you got to spend money to make money. 
And I think that it's important to be smart with your money. So um, speaking of Bitcoin, um, Bitcoin was kind of like one of those first cryptocurrencies that boomed. And y'all, I'm so bitter that I did not get in Bitcoin. <laughs> Let me tell you, I had the opportunity in 2017 when Bitcoin was like nowhere near 60K, like literally nowhere you wouldn't even imagine. And I have friends that were telling me, get in Bitcoin. I'm making thousands of dollars. They got my bank account on hold because of how much money I'm making. And I got the receipts to prove it. And I didn't listen. And I really wish I would have because the surge of Bitcoin and how many more businesses have started to trust cryptocurrencies because of Bitcoin is really something that if you got in while it's early, you're definitely rich now. Um, so I will say all that to say that there's still hope. And there's still a lot of coins out there today that any regular person can afford. And when you get into cryptocurrencies, you can still trade Bitcoin. And you can still trade Ethereum, which are some of the more higher ranked cryptocurrencies. But they're pretty expensive. We're talking about one Bitcoin right now. It's like volatile between 50 and 60K. I don't know about you, but I don't have 50K. <laughs> the moment to go buy a Bitcoin. No, not at all. But listen, but that's what makes it so exciting, I think, because like you said, there's so many coins out there that are still available. And, you know, kind of how you mentioned Bitcoin was nowhere near 50 to 60K. And now looking, you know, a couple years later, you're you're rich now if you invested in that. And I think that's what makes cryptocurrency so exciting because there's coins out there that are worth, you know, 39 cents on the market. You invest into that now, three years from now, it can be at thousands and thousands of dollars and so when you think about the potential that cryptocurrency has to change people's lives just simply by trading you know kind of in a way that you saw in stocks you know when stocks trading stocks became a thing a long time ago you know we have the entire new york stock exchange now cryptocurrency is basically the same thing except it's affordable It's, it's not just investing you know on a regulated as you can say, a regulated term. It's it's for the people. And so that's what makes me really excited about crypto. Um, man, Absolutely. I, I, yeah, that's that's what I have to say about that. I, I'm really excited for crypto. But OK, what what which ones do you think are good investments? Like you said, neither one of us are professionals in the market. It's volatile. <laughs> Things can change. We'll wake up tomorrow um, and you can see people cashing out on them. But what would you say are good investments right now in the cryptocurrency market? So I have three coins um, that I've personally invested in that I would consider some good potentials to boom or blow within the next couple years. Um, and I will note that I'm a long term holder um, when it comes to trading. You can scalp or do short-term holds on cryptocurrencies, but you need to make sure you're watching it because it's very volatile. So you could literally see a coin go from 20 cent to 80 cent in one day, but if you didn't get it at the 80, then you're not going to get the profit at the 80. Um, And that is kind of something that we've seen happen with one of the cryptocurrencies that you mentioned already, Dogecoin. So Dogecoin was my first taste of crypto um, that I actually got in. And it's funny, like it actually was a joke. Um, a lot of people like will call it Dogecoin or Dogcoin because it was based off like the little meme that had the dog. Um, <laughs> and, you know, no one really thought like it would grow. But me personally, um, just last year in like August, I bought 
um, like $5 worth of Dogecoin and it was at 0.003 cent. So it was at less than a penny when I got in it. And I wish I had put a lot more than $5. <laughs> and I learned my lesson <laughs> later. Um, once it started growing and I went back and of course put a lot more in. So I'm not going to tell y'all that, but just know that, like I said, it was at 0.003 and today it's at like 22 cents. And as stocks and different pairs and cryptocurrencies move on the chart, they get into a point of consolidation. So that means they move more horizontal than they do vertically upwards. And that's where Dogecoin is at the moment. But just earlier this year in May, Dogecoin peaked at like 77 cents. So for a person like me who got in at less than a penny, and it was at 77 cents. Just know my, my crypto account was looking nice. <laughs> it was looking really nice. But that's Dogecoin, right? And it's at a point of consolidation, as I mentioned. And many of our cryptos are expected to boom as the general crypto market booms. Um, and that's typically going to happen as either the, the government creates their own digital dollar um, or more companies and businesses, online platforms start accepting different forms of cryptocurrencies. So as that happens, um, we just have to keep in mind, like, it could grow into way more than where it is right now. So you're in for a long-term hold. You can scalp if you see the next point of it being higher, but you're going to lose all of your money if you pull out. If it, if you know you pull out at 80 cent and then it turns out $8 a few years from now. So be smart. Decide your position. Um, but that's my first cryptocurrency, Dogecoin, the one that originated from a meme. And then the second one is Cardano. Um, and you can look at it on Coinbase, I believe, as ADA um, is how it's um, acronymed. So that cryptocurrency has been um, pretty much like a, a hidden MVP for a while um, that many people knew about for the last few years, but it didn't really boom until the last year. Um, so just in December of 2020, Cardano was at 15 cents. That was the price of it. Well, in September of this year, it has increased to $3.10. So we're talking about like $0.15 cent to $3.10. So for many people who got in with millions of, of you know, coins, <laughs> they, they're looking pretty nice um, at that $3.10. But once again, it went back down because as cryptos boom, many people who are in them for the short-term polls pull out. They pull out their money, so then you can expect for the market volume to decrease and therefore the price to decrease, um, and it's sort of losing its value. But I personally like Cardano because um, it is rumored to one day be the official cryptocurrency for Ethiopia. So, you know, once again, the cryptos for the people, um, for people who actually need a different form of income or, or currency to use um, that are not our typical backed by the banks um, currency that we're using. So that's the second one, Cardano ADA. And then my last one has been pretty popular um, in the, the social media world lately, and that is Shiba Inu. Shiba Inu. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's nicknamed Sheep. Many people call it Sheep, S-H-I-B. Um, that's how you can find it. And Sheep right now is still less than a penny. 
it's I think today at like point oh 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 four seven. So it's not too late. You can get in. <laughs> um, but she actually just boomed. It almost doubled recently. It went from like that point oh 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 four um up to like point oh 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 eight um in like the last two or three months and that's why people were really looking into it because they were making a, a huge return on their profit um and one thing i like about sheep is that you hear so many success stories of folks who knew about it from years ago that are like done like it's not even at a penny yet and they have already created life-changing income there's one guy who put um, $8,000 into Shiba Inu like a few years ago. And that $8,000 made him $50 billion. That is insane. Well, that's oh what it be. Billion. insane. <laughs> I mean, that's literally, that's what it, crypto is reminding me of penny stocks, dude. It's reminding me of like penny stocks on steroids because there's so many other coins out there that you can just see this happen over and over and over again. And it's literally being able to change people's lives. Like it's making me so excited. And I think what you touched on about possibly, you know, having the digital dollar release, I think the main drawbacks with that is probably, you know, regulation. When you already have coins out that are worth fifty to $60,000, how you regulate, you know, introducing something into the market, um, that is pretty volatile. But I think the solution that you said and something that, you know, is blowing my mind that isn't even already implemented within our economy is the fact that we can accept Bitcoin. We can accept all these other coins um, into the market and being able to use them as an official form of currency. I think that that is the future. That's where we're headed. And it would be so great for people because it's literally changing people's lives. Like it makes me excited when I think about all the possibilities. Yes, we can accept Bitcoin and it is definitely potential out there for us to accept other different cryptocurrencies across different businesses. And that is super exciting for me. So if you're thinking about getting into cryptocurrencies, you don't have to start with Bitcoin. As we mentioned, there is Dogecoin, Cardano and Shiba Inu. And they're still pretty, pretty lowly priced at the moment um, and literally like. For less than $100, I have 2 million Shiba Inu coins. So definitely get into it, educate yourself, invest, because we are certainly looking at the future. Most definitely. Something I'm excited about, too. I can't wait to really get into the investing of cryptocurrency as well. I have some that I've invested into right now, but I'm trying to get more into the game. But like you said, first educating myself and kind of learning about the market um, and how to make those calls. So as we transition into our last topic of the night, man, Space Race 2.0. For those of you who don't know, it is happening, whether we like it or not, guys. I mean, it's, you know, we've been here before in this place. You know, the United Nations had a space treaty in 1967 that hasn't been updated um, since then. And, you know, the importance of this is just the fact that there's a lot of gray areas um, within that aspect, you know, from different countries basically creating hypersonic missiles that aren't exactly nuclear weapons, but have the power of nuclear weapons. Um, you know, there's nuclear reactors that we put on the moon and even Elon Musk flirting with the idea of, you know, sending nuclear bombs to Mars um, over its polar caps to heat it up so we can terraform it and, you know, basically colonize it. You know, there's all these things that 
we want to try to prevent an arms race or, you know, in happening in space. And it's hard to do that when there's so much gray area into what that looks like and the regulations that we have going on in space. And so I just kind of wanted to get you guys a little bit caught up on that and keep you updated on it. Tangi, have you done any, you know, research into what's going on in space? And, you know, what's your opinion on what's going on up there? Yes, I've definitely done a little research. And honestly, it's scary to imagine definitely a nuclear war in space in the current state um, of not having an updated treaty from the UN. And I mean, we could talk about policy being outdated all day long. Man, um, what? <laughs> but I think that this is one of those policies for sure that needs to, to have a look taken at it. And I think that policy stays outdated um, for several different reasons. And primary reasons are no one is looking at it mm-hmm. and it's not really a top priority. Or there are people who are benefiting from it at its current state. And whether that be companies that are benefiting from it um, or just general regulations that have benefited from it. Um, I'm not here to say who those beneficiaries are, but I think that it's kind of scary to imagine a world where we have nuclear arms in space. It's kind of like being in a space cold war. Man, what? (laughs) No, that's the perfect way to put it. I mean, it does feel very like Cold War era going on up here simply because of the stakes that are in, you know, what's going on in space from the colonization of Mars just to dealing with the moon and, you know, just the discovery of space in general and you know, it's been around for a while, but there's still so much that we don't know. And when you think about, you know, the commercialization of space travel that we're seeing with different companies, you know, there's SpaceX, there's Blue Origin, um, and all these other companies emerging right now. And really, it's entering a new era into the discovery of space. So, I mean, Tangi, what do you think about this? Like, There's so much movement, um, like, recently over the last two years when it comes to this space race. But, like, companies like SpaceX have been out for 16 years. Yep. So I think it's, like, really important to, to note how these billionaires are moving and why it's so urgent. Um, Elon Musk and, and SpaceX actually, like, broke history um, earlier this year when they docked into the International Space Station It was the first American craft to autonomously dock. So I think that's, like, crazy to think, you know, we thought the future would be about um, self-driving cars, but it's not just (laughs) self-driving cars. We're talking about self-driving rocket ships. Man, what? That's crazy. And, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, kind of seeing how billionaires move. I mean, another point that we've noticed is the development of SMRs, you know, and which are, for those who don't know, nuclear-powered reactors. And um, currently... Uh, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett are building and kind of testing out the use of these um, reactors in Wyoming. And it's important because when you think about things such as global warming um, and the use of nuclear power plants in the, you know, in the past, in 2011, Japan basically had a meltdown on a nuclear plant and it was caused by like heat from exposed fuel rods, splitting hydrogen from steam. Um, And so, you know, you saw a lot of investors kind of deter away from investing into large nuclear power plants 
but the new SMRs are using molten salt and metals, which makes it a little bit more safe. Um, and it kind of brings up the question of, okay, using nuclear power is more efficient because it's easier controlled. You can turn it on and off whenever um, compared to like coal and gas plants, which are also, you know, really carbon intense. So it's kind of that double edged sword of being able to develop things now that are going to help us in the future, but also, you know, nuclear power reactor is going to obviously create radioactive waste so we have to create things that are also going to get rid of that but at the end of the day it's it's that give and take of you know we need solutions now and the solutions that we have it would be almost as unreasonable to say don't build these things as to say when we knew that we needed to start making evs you know electric vehicles that doesn't mean you automatically cut out all you know oil all gas powered vehicles all diesel powered vehicles that's not realistic you know you still you can you can make implementations you can start developing evs but in the meantime you still have these devices that help us to currently basically transition our economy to where it needs to be to help the environment um and that includes all the way up into space and so i think it is important to kind of note what is actually going on right now and you know how other people in positions of power are moving um because it's definitely going to make a difference into the future for us into the way that you know we're able to develop type the type of companies that we want to open and or you know small businesses that we want to develop um down to how we're investing our dollar you know it's important Definitely. And I mean, the time is now. The time really was yesterday. And (laughs) I think it's a crazy world to imagine that you and I are talking about updating policy for space travel, but we have politicians that don't even believe in global warming and climate change. Yeah, man. So, I mean, it's going to be hard to make those types of changes, but we definitely need to, as the people... Um, educate ourselves and pay attention to what people with more power and resources are doing. And SpaceX isn't alone. Not you, know, you mentioned Blue Origin and Bezos having their famous um, trip in orbit around the planet earlier this year. And then there's also Branson with Virgin Galactic. So there's many companies and private investors that are interested in this stuff but we just really have to ask ourselves like are we balancing are we prioritizing what is really important and if we're going out into space and looking into colonization of other celestial bodies and getting on mars when we don't really know that much yeah all of the other planets like when are we going to focus on what we already have here on earth Man, and there it is. That's that's the question of the night and something that I think is really important. You know, I think that the development of this podcast came from really educating the people of my generation and being able to bring this type of information to the forefront so we can have discussions about it. Because like you said, we're the people, we, we are able to make changes by simply voicing what we think is right and, you know, where the allocations need to be made with, you know, things that we're paying for. Um, so I... Thank you, Tanji. This is the wrap up of episode one of Emergency. Man, is time flies. You know, it, <laughs> I can't even believe that it's been what like forty minutes now, forty five minutes. But I've really enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate you, you know, hopping on and talking with me for episode one. Um, yeah, man, it's always a pleasure to have you. Any last words for the people? Yeah, just thank you for having me here um, and make sure you stay educated. Knowledge is power and sharing is caring. So take what you learn and share it with someone else and the world will be a better place. 
Um, so thank you for having me, and I hope everyone has happy holidays and a successful year next year. Yes, guys, happy holidays as we come up on this last month of 2021. 2022 is right around the corner. So in the meantime, share this with your friends, your families, anyone else you wanted to keep educated. And we will see you next Wednesday. Also, check out American Outliers, my clothing line, uh, in collaboration with this podcast. Our first collection, Emergency, has dropped. So cop your favorite merch. Um, Let me know what is your favorite. And we'll see you soon. Peace, guys.